So when you were growing up, did you ever want to be an astronaut? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember um, Apollo 8, Christmas, uh, I think 1968. I um, watched it on TV. Um, it was all I ever wanted to be, was an astronaut. Um, I couldn't think of a higher calling. At what point in your life did that change? When I had to get glasses. <laughs> I, I had always planned on becoming a pilot and I uh, wanted to go into the Navy. And um, when I realized that you had to have pretty good vision, uh, mine was already, I was already wearing glasses. I've been wearing glasses for probably about four years. And um, it broke my heart, you know, it's what I really wanted to do. There's actually a, a scene in a movie, um, Little Miss Sunshine, where this, this kid uh, really, really wants to be a pilot. And um, he's sitting there talking with his uncle, and like he, there's some sort of miscommunication, basically, because the kid is, um, he's, uh, it makes himself mute. He doesn't talk. He chooses not to talk. Um, and, uh, some sort of miscommunication about color, basically. And uh, the kid can't tell the difference between colors. And, you know, his uncle has to essentially break it to him that you can't be a pilot if you're colorblind. Um, it's a great, great scene, but that's like almost like verbatim. It makes me think about that. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I thought it was going to be like when you saw Alien and you're like, yeah, okay, fuck that shit. Never going into space. <laughs> no, I, I would probably, if, if I had the chance, I'd go now. Uh, no doubt about it. <clears throat> God bless you. I'm going to stay the fuck out of space. Cheers. Here's this woman with bow-legged women. Couldn't have said it better myself. To the Johnny Horror Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Johnny Horror, and with me tonight we have a very, 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 very super duper special guest. Um, some might say he's the oldest of men. He's certainly the oldest man I know, but he is my old man, Michael Maresca. <laughs> happy to have you, sir. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. This is this is something that you posed to me actually, uh, which was to if you could uh, come on the podcast and there was a uh, or what what you said was can can we do a podcast together and I immediately because of what you do for a living I was like are we gonna be talking about diving like does he want me to like do a podcast with him and then I was like no nah, he probably wants to come on my podcast and the second I thought about that I was like what will we talk about and uh, two seconds later. I knew exactly what I wanted to talk to you about, and I messaged you and was like, 
what do you want to talk about? And you had, you got back to me instantly and it was the exact same thing yeah. that I wanted to talk to you about, which is <clears throat> 1979's sci-fi horror classic direct, directed by Ridley Scott, Alien. Mm -hmm. um, so before we get into the nitty gritty of it all, what, why was that the, why is Alien the movie that you wanted to discuss tonight? Well, because um, we have a history with that movie. I, I, you know, you, you came to live with me when you were about 13 years old, led a sheltered life. Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm sure everybody that listens to your podcast knows about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was uh, time to start taking off the reins and letting you do the things that you wanted to do. And, and you were interested in, in um, movies, especially horror movies. And I thought, um, let's watch a movie that, or you can watch a movie that I love. And um, I think, I don't know if it was the first scary movie you ever watched, but I know uh, it was one of the first movies you, you watched at my house out in the middle of nowhere in probably the scariest place we've ever lived. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that is probably exactly why I thought of it, too. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about that experience and that whole thing in, in a minute. I do think that it is... Oddly enough, because of that watch and everything that happened afterwards, that it is this movie that you and I bonded over. And it's it's a movie that we certainly talk about and bring up from time to time, but not enough for both of us to just be like shooting from the hip. That's obviously the movie that we're talking about without having discussed it, uh, you know, <laughs> at all. So I, I did get quite a kick out of it that, that and you know it just kind of reassured what I already knew that this is this was kind of like a, a certainly a seminal moment for for me in my youth and my upbringing um because you're absolutely right this is probably I always say that uh 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is like my first true blue horror movie that yeah. I ever watched and uh, there's there's a great story behind that too for another time, but this is probably like the first legitimately like scary movie I ever saw, which is probably about six months before I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, um, before we talk about us watching that movie together. I just kind of, as as I typically do with with most first time guests, I just want to know a little bit about your history with horror. Now, obviously, you're not like a die hard horror fan like a lot of the people that I do have on. This is a, a kind of a special circumstance. But what what is your history with scary movies? Do you remember the first scary movie you saw? First scary movie I ever saw. Um, scary for me was The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm. And um, back then, this is back in the 60s, and I remember my family traveled a lot. Um, my father um, was always on the road, and we, we lived in hotels quite a bit. 
and um, I remember um, there was the day the earth stood still and then this the first movie was uh, it's an Elvis Presley movie Jailhouse Rock and so it was those two movies and I remember seeing um, seeing the Elvis movie and trying to stay up for for that um, the day the earth stood still and I remember I remember watching it and uh, I was always scared as a kid you know I was scared of flat tires I was I mean I was scared of everything and um, I, I was really excited to see that movie you know first of all my dad was around which which didn't happen very often so I thought well he'll protect me mm -hmm. and um, you know we were in a hotel which is always exciting for me um, and uh, I remember staying up and and um, I don't really remember that much about the movie I'm sure I didn't watch all that much of it I, I would imagine I hid my head in the pillow or something after a while, but uh, that's the first scary movie I ever saw. And you're right, I mean, I'm not really, uh, definitely not a horror slasher kind of guy. I like the science fiction horror movies, um, and uh, that's, that's it, I love science fiction. Yeah, that's why uh, we're gonna, uh, you know, when we wrap up this this podcast tonight, we're gonna, I'm gonna show him uh, the, the thing, which he's yeah. never, ever seen, which kind of, you know, boggled my mind uh because it's so 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 up your alley um but it's very interesting to me i was thinking about this um when i came up with the the question that i posed to you at the the start of this this app is that you were born 1960 right mm -hmm. so you essentially were a young boy all through pretty much the the good chunk of the space race you know and, and like I'm sure a, a good chunk of that is foggy because it was beginning in your you know your your youth but I, I have to imagine that that played a huge part in you know just your growth as an individual because particularly with the films that were coming out at that time, it was all science fiction based because we were in unchartered territory, essentially. Mm -hmm. So naturally, as with any good time period in horror, we're taking things that are real fears and anxieties and we're exaggerating them, blowing them, them up. So yeah, you have the day the earth stood still, you have the forbidden planet, you have... Um, uh, invaders from Mars, uh, the, the thing from another world. You have all of these, uh, these things that that were you know becoming conscious of as a society. As you know, in the nineteen fifties, it was all nuclear mm -hmm. stuff and the radiation and what what that could do to you know like something like the horror film Them, which is like you know about giant ants that right. you know, are exposed to radiation, all that stuff so that were were you at all conscious of all the just maybe not even just horror stuff but just like space men in general like at the time is that something that you were you can remember being aware of so i i, I want to say that i knew a lot about it you know i i grew up um Really, I mean, I think before I wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted to be a pilot, 
Because the first time I, I took an airplane uh, was, I was six years old, traveling to Asia. And um, I just thought it was the most glamorous thing to do, you know, to be a pilot. And um, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> it seems like a boring job to me now. But, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be a pilot. And then when I saw astronauts, I was like, well, fuck that. You know, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I saw a lot of that. Um, and, and growing up, you know, my mom, um, she told me about uh, War of the Worlds, you know, the radio mm. show with, mm -hmm. with uh, Orson Welles. And, yeah. and um, I just remember thinking that must have been horrifying to, to really think that was happening, you know, the way they portrayed it. And she told me, you know, I, I don't know if she, she was listening to the radio at the time or whether she had heard about it later on or something, but she just told me what a, a frightening thing it was to even think about that was possible. Yeah, I think, you know, particularly in this day of social media and, you know, fake news, uh, all that bullshit, I think that might still be one of the greatest, you know, things that was, was pulled over against, you know, a collective group of people is yeah. that the, that this alien invasion was happening. I, I obviously the the way that news traveled was very much different back then. Um, stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. One of you know one of the uh, Orson Welles, who's just his you know accolades are endless. You know, to me that's the thing I I always I think about you know that and you know Citizen Kane, but you know that to me I'm just like. That must have been so much fun for him to scare the shit out of yeah. all of mankind. Yeah. Um, so, with all that said, uh, you'll pardon me here one second. I have this terrible OCD thing where I'm afraid the camera isn't recording. You know, I just have to, oh, if you know, you check it once. I'm gonna be pissed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've had it where we've recorded whole sessions and then the sound didn't didn't work or yeah. something like that. And you know, two hours of podcasting down the drain. Um, do you remember the first time you saw Alien? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> so, um, I mean, there was big hype about it, and um, I wasn't really the guy that would go see a movie on the first night or anything like that. But I had a friend who was. His name was Tim, and. Um, his life was movies. Um, he would, he'd go see a movie every chance he got. I remember he told me about uh, Apocalypse Now. And by the time he was done talking, I knew about the whole movie. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing, you know, the tiger coming out of the jungle and all that. Um, nothing shocked me, you know, because it's like he told me everything. And I, I don't like that. I want to be surprised. Yeah. You know, I want my Christmas on Christmas morning. I don't want to know earlier. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he, uh, he told me, oh, you gotta, you gotta go see, um, Alien. You know, it's amazing. And, and, um, right up my alley, you know, something that, that I definitely wanted to see. Um, so I saw it at the movie, uh, not at the movie theater. I saw it at the drive-in. Drive yeah. I mean, that's where we all saw our movies yeah. back then. You know, if you were a teenager, um, if the movie was shit, then you just hung out with everybody else in the arcade or whatever. And so it was a place that we would go. Yeah, I, uh, I got to interject here. It's it's on my bucket list. I have not had the pleasure. It is something that I want to do 
so so bad i really wanted to do it during covid but there was nowhere like that was within like reason that i could lock mm -hmm. down to go see it but man i, I want to see uh, a couple of flicks and i'd love to do a double feature at the drive-in but yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. It's cool, you know, I, and as you say that, uh, Kiko had never been um, to uh, a drive-in, and I don't know, about eight years ago, we went to one in Pomona, I think it was Pomona, somewhere in around Pomona, there. Pomona, always Pomona. We saw Minions, so, uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, not really the best movie to see. You know what, you know, it's still, I'm sure you guys had a blast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but, uh, so anyway, we saw, I saw it at the drive-in, I don't, I don't recall it. I, there's no way I went alone, you know. I, I yeah. would have had somebody with me, a friend or a girlfriend or something, but I don't remember who was with me. Um, and um, so I knew about the Chesper scene, you know, and, and that was pretty much all I, I knew. Um, but uh, so being the kind of person that wasn't really into horror, it was kind of nice to know that was coming up for me. Because <laughs> um, it's still like, when you see it, you're shocked, right? Yes. It's like, it, it doesn't matter if you expect it or not. Um, when that thing comes out, um, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? And uh, just watching it again, it, it was amazing to see the acting of all those people. And, you know, I know there's talk about, you know, they didn't know it, but they had to know. They had to know Something. enough. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know there was gonna be they were gonna be squirted with all the blood or whatever, but um, still just watching the way they went through that, it's it's so amazing to watch. I, I just love that uh, that scene. What was so when you were done, do you do you recollect at all what it was like when you kind of finished that movie? Were you in a state of like I want more of that or were you just like all right cool yeah fuck that shit like that's that's enough for now like I, I don't need any more scary stuff do you remember the vibe coming out um you know when I when I watch a movie that really is like earth shaking for me I sit and think about that for days on end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what happened to me. I mean, that for me, The Matrix was a movie that went over in my head for weeks and weeks, and I saw it over and over again. And I, I don't recall that I went and saw uh, Alien again right away, but um, it's one of those things that's all, always something that I'm, I would be mulling over, you know, throughout the, the time. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, I don't think I, I thought, nah, I don't, I don't want to see it again or I've had enough. I, I definitely could have seen it again because, uh, you know, to me, this is a movie that you can watch over and over again. And the thing that, I don't want to spoil it, but for me, it was so dark in the beginning. It's really hard to see. So Especially if you saw the driving yeah. fucking, like, 70s or early 80s yeah. whatever you saw it yeah i'm sure it's so fucking hard to see what's going on i mean <laughs> you know it and it was that was good at that point because um you know i saw uh, we watched it last night yeah obviously. we watched it last night we did and we um you know i saw the when the alien comes out and, and this is what it does it's like yeah and i thought if i'd have seen that back then i'd be like well, it's not that scary yeah. you know so that part of it was really good because you wanted to see more of the alien. You wanted to see, and and you really couldn't. Yeah. You know, you could watch it again, but um, it was hard to see. Yeah. You know. So, my first watch, 
obviously was with you. I was, I was 13 years old. Um, I never, I, same, same way. I was a very, very scared young man, scared of everything. Um, yes, like, as you mentioned before, I've stated on this podcast that I had a very sheltered upbringing and, you know, uh, every, every fucking thing scared me. I'm sure I've said it on this podcast and much to my chagrin that, like, I was so afraid of the story of A Christmas Carol and Jacob Marley that the Disney version where Goofy, Goofy, the most silly character in the history of all cartoons, scared the piss out of me because he was Jacob Marley. That is the level of, you know, terror that would be brought up in in my mind on, on, on a regular basis. So... I made a habit of going to the older I got, you know, I feel like you even made a joke one time that you thought that maybe I was in the, this is back when there were movie stores, you know, this is like video, uh, um, you know, video rental places. Um, and we would go and we would pick out movies, uh, and during the time when I lived with you it was a little bit different, you know, you would tell me stuff like, oh yeah, I thought you were, you know, off in the, the porno section checking out, you know, the back of those covers. And I, as much as I'm sure I would have liked it, but I didn't have the stones to do that. I would sneak off into the, the horror section. I remember specifically after you and mom had split, we had, mom and I had gone to the video store and I had kind of snuck off I don't even know like in in my mind I don't even know how I could sneak this video you could see yeah it's it's, you could see anywhere I feel like you know the one that I'm talking about too um uh and I would just sneak off to the horror section and look at the back of boxes I remember vividly staring at the box for a nightmare on Elm Street and just being legitimately terrified of Freddy Krueger. And then I would do the same thing when she and I would like go to, again, this is after you guys had split and I'd just go with her to the store. And one night we were like at Walmart and I went and just like looked at the movies. That time I was looking at Maxim Magazine and you know, uh, Christina Aguilera was just, just, she was just so hot back then, uh, circa 2002. Uh, But I had also snuck off to the horror section and remember looking at the, back of all those boxes and being terrified uh, just from looking at the pictures. Anyways, this is a long-winded way of saying I remember I had just moved in with you and you had the quadrilogy box set of Alien sitting in your truck and you had gone in, I don't know if it was into work or into somewhere. I I stayed in the car, whatever it was, and I just peered over that that box set front to back for probably like 30 minutes mm. uh straight just looking at all the pictures looking at all the detail because it was this very very beautiful like holographic thing uh it ended up coming uh being part of my movie collection years later um before we upgraded to the the blu-ray release that we watched last night but um 
it was it was gorgeous and i was so as your mind does like you picture what all of these images mean and what what they are um so i don't know i can't remember if it was you or me i'm sure it was me that posed can we watch this and we sat and we watched it in our house in the Mojave Desert, which our nearest neighbor was like, what, like a half a mile, quarter of a mile away, like a good yeah. uh, a good distance away. And then there was nobody else. And there was an open mine shaft. There was an open mine shaft and there was train tracks that were probably like half a mile, three quarters of a mile away. And I always... Across the, yeah, the street. That was, that was really close. And that was always the thing. Anytime those trains would go by i'd always imagine like some you know vagabond like hopping off because yeah. he saw a house and was going to come rob us um but that was that was it like we we had that one neighbor and nobody else was around and and i had been living with you maybe like a month tops like not a long time so getting used to a very new, very scary environment, and this is the first movie of this caliber that I had ever watched. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting, watching, really having absolutely no, no expectation of what this film was going to be about. Uh, and I sat, I watched it, you were on one couch, I was on another, and then the film ended and you're like are you good and i'm like yeah i'm good and i went and laid in my bed for about less than five minutes and i came in with my pillow and my blanket and this is me as a 13 year old kid being like dad can i sleep on your floor because i'm i'm scared uh and i think i proceeded to sleep on your floor for the next week straight i think, I think it was a, a few nights yeah um and i remember the one, the one caveat I said, if we're going to watch this movie, you sleep in your own room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, the rest of the time that we lived at that house, I always thought of Alien. Um, there was times when, you know, you'd be away at work, you know, during the summertime and I'd be at the house by myself in the middle of broad daylight. And I remember one time I just like had to get out of the house because I was so spooked. And I just like went for a walk in the fucking desert. I walked up that hill where the mine shaft was. And this is after we had watched Alien 3 because we eventually progressed through all of them. Mm -hmm. And in that one, the alien like runs on all fours. And I had this vivid picture in my mind of me being up on the hill and just like seeing the alien run out of our house coming up to the hill. Because mm -hmm. that's like the way my imagination worked. Long story short, this movie fucked me up. Mm. So, we're going to talk about Alien. In the film, a group of dumbasses essentially wake up from their hypersleep and go on a detour to a planet to try and do some sort of bullshit rescue mission. Anyways, dumbass horror movie people doing dumbass horror movie people things. One of them gets infected 
and brings it back on board to, you know, fucking give birth to a new alien species that slowly but surely begins to destroy all of the crew. Um, I usually say blah, blah, blah. We've seen it all before, but I really don't think we have seen anything like this before. Um, the film was directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, this is really, he had directed one feature film before this that was very well received. He did this and it changes the whole course of his career. Um, going into the film, Tom Skerritt was the headliner, the big name. Yeah. And as we all know, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Alien, what are you doing don't listen to this podcast. Go watch the movie and then come back and watch this podcast. Tom Skerritt dies three quarters of the way through the movie and our main hero um, ends up being Ripley, a.k.a. Sigourney Weaver. Um, this film was, you know, a long, long process of a lot of different heads coming together um the script started with dan o'banion um was originally titled star beast and went through various um progressions to chisel out to what we get um a big game changer is hr geiger his artwork ends up being what kind of the whole production design of the film is based upon specifically obviously the xenomorph itself um ridley scott is brought on ridley scott is a force to be reckoned with as a director in this film in particular and would go on to do things like obviously blade runner which i feel like is very would would make for a great double feature with yeah. this film um and obviously Gladiator and so on and so forth. Ridley Scott's accolades are also endless. Um, this is, um, you know, I don't, it's probably in the top 50, you know, horror films of all time, if not the top, top 50, you know, top 100 films of all time. It's, I think when it first came out, it might've had a little bit of, mixed to positive reviews but it has slowly but surely um become one of the all-time greats and has spawned many many sequels uh one in particular some consider to be superior even to the original um but that's all stuff that you can read about watch documentaries there are books there's all sorts of stuff and we'll talk a little bit about some behind the scenes and whatnot as we go on but for this particular conversation i just want it to be a conversation we're going to talk about the things we like the things we didn't like and kind of more our personal feelings about this film as opposed to doing an in-depth history about alien because there's so 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 much out there for all of you listeners to to check out so if you feel the need you know youtube it there's i'm sure there's go to barnes and noble or audible or whatever listen to books and all that shit but for the time being we're going to talk about the film and the things that we enjoyed and we didn't enjoy and 
the rewatch value it has and essentially its its legacy and our own personal feelings about the film. So without any further fucking ado, let's talk about the good stuff. All right. There's there's an endless amount of good things in this film as far as I'm concerned, but let's talk about some standout stuff. Hit me with a couple of things or, you know, we can, we can you know, tit for tat. What do you like about this film? I think, um, first of all, the thing that hits me, and, and it, it starts right off in the beginning, they make you wait, you know? Like, you watch the, the opening credits and it's like, this thing takes forever to mm -hmm. go around, mm -hmm. you know, from one side of the planet to the other and, and for the alien to come up on the screen and all that, and and the whole movie is like that, you know. They make you work for it. You gotta you gotta sit there and and it, it, it and it's it's got you captured, you know. And you're like, when's it coming? When's it coming? It, you know, obviously, I'm sure you would say it's reminiscent of Jaws in that way, that um, you know you don't you don't see the alien for quite a while in the movie. I think uh, at some point. Uh... Dan O'Banion might have floated the fact that this this was Jaws in space. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Jaws comes out uh, four years prior to this. Um, that is, when I think about this picture, I think about the fact that it is so fucking patient in all the right ways. Like, it, the dread and the suspense that it builds is almost unprecedented. Like, I can't think of another movie that builds tension in quite the same way that Alien does. Um, and I, to me, like, the, the only other parallel is The Exorcist, but The Exorcist is, is different in the sense that it, The Exorcist is just dread and tension and fear the entire time. This one very much builds to what is a satisfying conclusion mm -hmm. um and it's very calculated i feel like it knows what it's doing it gives you stuff you, what what you said you have to you have to work for it um and upon this rewatch that was that was one of the things that i thought about during the title sequence i was just like man they they just they take their time and it's so smart because you get to a point where you're like, okay, come on. They milk it. <laughs> and then you you get to a point where you're like, all right, it's it's still going. And the score and almost the lack thereof, whatever drone sound effect, that, that ambient space sound effect is one of the scariest things I've ever heard, ever. Um, and I love that. Uh there is no way in hell that a picture like this gets made today because uh, whether or not audiences would actually go for it, studio heads don't think they do. So there's there's no way a movie like this gets made today. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I that was that was kind of a big one of mine too. Um. The thing that I, that I said to you um, when we were watching it last night, um, 
and I, I got two notes here and they're, they're kind of one in the same, but whenever I think of Alien, I, I think of a very small movie. Mm-hmm. Like I think of a very contained, isolated, um, claustrophobic film, which it is. Mm-hmm. Because then you think of its sequels and everything's bigger and more more open. Um, but like there's a lot of big stuff happening in this movie and the set design is like amazing yeah it is to me because you know that those are all practical sets mm-hmm. like in the time period think of like star wars and stuff like that they would use a lot of like matte paintings you know back backdrops that were you know very very detailed to kind of give depth to these things and I couldn't spot really too many of those, maybe like on the planet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, on the alien ship. Um, but like on the actual like vessel Nostromo, like it all very much looked like practical sets yeah. to me, which is insane because you see like when um, is it uh, is it Brett? Uh, um, What's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His uh, his character. Thank God, bless you for just you know. Yeah, Brett. Um, when he's searching for for Jones, like, and he goes through all these different um, corridors and whatnot. They're just he's walking there, and they're huge. And you're like, oh my God, they built these sets um, for a movie that every time I think of it, I'm like, just very small, contained, like very claustrophobic picture it has these very grandiose set pieces um the uh space jockey you know is really second to none because yeah. they walk onto that and that thing is massive and it was one of those things when i was watching last night i was like well why do i think this movie's so small it really is yeah. big you know but you know i i have to uh, i have a thought on that is it's like um because that, I mean, that the Nostromo is huge too. I mean, if yes. you look at it, it's yeah. like this massive thing. And and like you said, the, the you know um, the the worker guys they're walking around down in the bowels, you yeah. know, and it seems like it's huge. But then what makes it to me, what makes it seem so small is they're stuck. Yes, they're stuck, and it's claustrophobia that makes it feel like it's so small regardless of how big it is because there's two things that are going to kill you you either get killed by the alien or you get off that thing and you get killed by space yeah. one or the other is going to kill you and yeah. i mean that's got to be terrifying you know yeah so um yeah i mean i i was thinking about that last night of of that to me is a true horror you know because um you know I, you know i'm a i'm a diver yes and I became a diver because I suffer from claustrophobia and, and I have panic attacks and I, I, um, I wanted to face up to them. So that's why I, I did what I did. Although I, you know, I've always wanted to, to see the undersea world, but, but that's only part of it. The other part was I wanted to not be afraid of those things anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, th- I think I, I, I have a healthy respect and a healthy fear for those things, but I'm not afraid like I was before. Yeah. And, um, but you know, I can't imagine being stuck on a ship with a, with something 
that you can't even, if you, if you fight it, you've got to figure out a way to kill it without making it bleed, right? Yeah. Otherwise you're dead. Yeah. So that was one of the things that when I was, when I was thinking about it this time, this watch, like I really hadn't considered that because I, I think of, I think of aliens and I'm like, dude, they're just blowing those motherfuckers away left and right. But it's so different in aliens because it's they're they're not in a spot where you know they could have a hole breach and destroy the whole ship like mm -hmm. i was really like it really kind of hit me this time i'm like dude they can't fucking kill it they absolutely have to blow it out into space like it yeah. really registered with me that time that and i was like oh yeah there's they can't do anything to it because it will really kill them and i was like damn that's that's just like that makes that that acid blood thing like even because if you think about it it really does not play it is not that much of a you know you know an ace in the pocket like moving forward like it really isn't mm -hmm. if you think about the the sequels um, in this one, it absolutely is because if they blow it up or something like that, they they could essentially destroy themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I really just hit me this time. I was like, dude, that's that's fucking genius. Mm -hmm. um, what else you got for me? Hit me with another thing um, that stood out to you. So uh, the thing that uh, again, I I probably never I would have never thought of this back in in the seventies and eighties, but. It seems really relevant now, and and it it's such a novel concept. It's the men who are getting fucked in this oh, yeah. movie, you know, mm -hmm. and and the woman is is the hero, really, you know. Um, but you know the the monster. I mean, it's like when that when the the small set of teeth comes out, it looks like it's like a dildo, right? Yeah, and it goes right into the guy's face, um, and uh, the the face hugger. You know, and and um, Kane, right? Yeah, he gets impregnated. Yeah, um, and it's just a, I mean, it's just a thing that goes throughout the whole movie. Yeah, that the the men are the ones that are getting fucked. Yeah. So I uh, I remember, again, like I said, I would, you know, read and look at that box set from front to back, and that included like. You know, back when, God, what a beautiful time it was when the DVD box sets were so in-depth that they would give you, like, the, the chapters, mm -hmm. breaking down, you know, like, you know, somewhere between 15 to 25, you know, chapters that, you know, and you still have it on the Blu-ray where you can kind of click and it'll take you to the next one, but it had the chapters listed and they all had names, and I remember specifically one just saying, in quotations, Kane's son and like it's a very weird thing because like i'm your son and that doesn't that's fine but in the context of the film kane's son is like kane's the mom kane gave birth to this and it's mm -hmm. a very weird sort of you know juxtaposition to everything that we are familiar with and understanding as human beings in the way that nature you know plays out um 
I think it's, I, I do think the same thing. I, I've always thought in just kind of a little, you know, one step forward, two steps back sort of thing to what you're saying is there is that moment where Lambert dies and she's just, you know, kind of sitting there essentially waiting for it to happen, which, you know, everyone's always like, fucking move, fucking move. Why don't you fucking move? And we all say that, but also at the same time, like, if you were in that position, you you don't know, yeah. right? But I always thought the tail essentially kind of, like, coming up behind her is very, very phallic. And there's, like, a very sexual, because the way it, like, curves and it's coming from, like, behind. It mm -hmm. is a, it, it's very um, predatorial and has a rapey vibe. Yeah, because it, it loops around her, like... Her backside, like her, yeah. yeah. And then um, when she's dead, you see her and she's, you just see her naked foot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's so weird because we were watching this movie last night and I was just hopping through Instagram today and I clicked on this one thing that was just in my search feed and it was all these different interpretations of Lambert's death. It just happened to kind of be on there. I scrolled through them. They're all variations of the same thing. And then there's one that's just like her like stuck on a pike and she's like, it's just her upper torso and her guts are hanging out. And like, to me, I'm like, that's actually like, you don't see anything, but that's m more what I think is what actually happened to her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, it is, I think at the time just was probably unheard of. And I mean, I know we're just saying stuff that people have already said about this film before but the fact that you do um it's not because we have uh the year prior 1978 you know you have um laurie strode in halloween uh, a couple years before that in 1974 um black christmas uh jess is the final girl even though it's heavily implied that she dies so this this idea of like a woman surviving is not uh, necessarily new by 1979, being the being the last survivor. I just think in the context of the film, the way that they kind of position all these characters, like Sigourney Weaver's there. She's just kind of there mm -hmm. throughout the whole film. If if anything, and I had this kind of in in a random thought section, but like nobody really likes her. If anything, she's kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah. To to the rest of the crew, because she's just like, no, the, don't do that. This is stupid. She is us as the audience being like, what the fuck? Are you? No, don't do that. And yeah. uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why it is so. Why it plays so well is because she is an avatar for the audience the entire time, just being like. No, don't, don't do that. Don't, you're being stupid. Don't do that. And because she's so unassuming, because we don't, with Halloween, we know who our, we know who our heroine is. Mm -hmm. You know, we know it's Laurie Strode. Same thing with Black Christmas. We start out, you know, we, we follow Jess, like, and we're following her. With Alien, it's, this is a, um, 
uh, it's an ensemble piece, you know? No character is necessarily higher than the other, with the exception, again, of Tom Skerritt being the top-billed actor because he was the most famous person at the time. So you assume he's going to be our guy, which yeah. up to a point, he is. Um, but even John Hurt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he was he was big name too at the time. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, I can't think of what else he was in. But um, Yafit Koto, I mean, mm -hmm. he he um, he was a big deal too. Yeah. yeah, I remember I remember them talking about that, um, like in the the making of documentary. That just the fact that he was even there mm -hmm. was a was a big deal. The yeah. fact that they got him on, and I was like. I don't know who this guy is, but he must be the shit because everyone seems to really kind of revere him. Mm. So, um, and um, just to go a little bit along those lines, it's almost like um, Lambert. Um, it's almost like she's this whiny, whiny person, and and almost like I, I was, I, I would think she's the one that's going to surprise everybody. Yeah, you know, but she doesn't, and then also. Something I I never picked up on before is when they go down to the planet, it's um, John Hurt and her. They say we're the ones that have to go, yeah. and and I kind of got the impression that they might have had some military training or something, yeah. and that's why they're supposed to go. And so I I was thinking, you look at those two and you think, well. Maybe they're the heroes. Who knows? Yeah, I got my my take on it, you know, because cause, um, Dallas, Tom Skerritt, he, you know, when they're saying they're going to go down, um, John Hurt says, you know, as Kane, he says, yeah, I'll, I'll be among the first to go. And to me, he's just, he's just a hothead. To me, I get that, like, he's just like, he's the dude that's like gonna go run across a wooden bridge or you know dive off a mountain like mm. i just get that vibe from him that he's just like fearless to a fault mm. because you see it you see him like when they're in the ship he's going in exploring shit that he just should not fuck with mm -hmm. and it bites him in the ass whereas the veronica cartwright character Dallas tells her, hey, you're coming too. And she's like, yeah, kind of begrudgingly. So I get that almost like same thing where she's someone who's capable mm -hmm. to whatever her experience has been. Um, because she's, when they say she's coming along, she's not like, no, no, I don't want to go. She's just like, yeah, whatever, yeah. okay. Um so I think she is capable to whatever experience she's ever had. The problem is, is that what they're experiencing is nothing that she's, you know, nobody's prepared for. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, like I said, there's there's a there's there's an endless amount of things that that I could talk about in this film that are good, and later we'll kind of get to like our our favorite scenes and whatnot. Um, one thing that I really like about this movie isn't, doesn't exactly have to do with the movie itself, but it has to do with the, the promotional stuff. I remember watching the, um, 
bonus. I mean, I watched every single piece of bonus material I could on that thing because I was so um, infatuated with with the whole experience. Um, uh, the teaser trailer for it just fucking. It, it scared me all over again. I watched the teaser trailer in broad daylight. I can't remember if you were home or not, but it scared the piss out of me, even though I'd already seen the movie. Yeah. I was like, that's just a gorgeous piece of marketing. I ended up using, making a, taking the the the, the sound, the, the sound design. I don't know if you can even call it music and, you know, using it years later in my own teaser trailer for a little scary movie that I, I put together back in the day, but, um, and then they ended up using a very, very, very similar sort of, um, style of sound design for the, uh, trailer for Prometheus, mm -hmm. um, back in 2012. Uh, so all I'm saying is that it is just a genius piece of marketing. And I, um, if I can remember, I will put a link in the description uh, so you can, you can go check that trailer out because I, th I think it's just really cool. It manages to be scary without giving anything away. I think it's almost like entirely still shots for the most part. Um, but any other uh, good stuff that you want to hit me with? Um, for me, you know, I'm a big, obviously big Star Wars fan. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to tie that in a little bit. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how, but... Well, for me, you know, when they started showing the Nostromo, mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, that's that's just as good, if not better, than than um, the battle cruisers in Star Wars. Yeah. You know, the the model making and and the alien ship. I mean, just fantastic. I I just thought, like you said, the sets, um, the inside of the Nostromo, I thought was just so cool. You know, even though now. I think like the computer room doesn't really hold up the way it would have back in 1979. Yeah. You know, um, still, I think, you know, just looking at it uh, last night, I thought, what a, what beautiful sets and the models were fantastic. And, and, uh, I mean, all of that, the planet, just fantastic. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think there's the, the reason that like, I kind of give a pass to kind of like, you know, some of the, the computer stuff and like, you know, they walk into the, the uh, I don't I don't know if it's the captain's quarters or what, but wherever mother is, and yeah. it's just like a bunch of flashing lights that you know, um, you know, gosh, what a fun time it was to imagine the future of you know mankind back yeah. in the the early you know eighties, late seventies, and whatnot. Um, but kind of the thing that. And I feel like we can probably round out the good stuff with this is that it all feels so grounded because the dialogue is believable, the performances are believable, the way that the, uh, again, this kind of goes back to production design, but the costumes and just the environment, it mm -hmm. feels so lived in. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like it all feels very, very natural in a way that. I don't know, maybe movies today wouldn't be where, like, people... The conversations that they're having, just, like, every time that they're sitting at the the dining table, you know, and you just... You're picking up on 
half of conversations as the camera's rotating around the room. You got um, Brett and Parker talking about bonuses, and you got, you know, Ash and Kane just talking bullshitting and Dallas chiming in, you know. All these these conversations, it, it just feels so lived in in a way that, gosh, just so few movies today do. Everything in movies today, um, and God, I just, I sound like such an old timer, but it just, like, everything just feels, like, so polished and so, like, we know there's a camera on us, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to these, these people that are just doing a job, coming back from whatever mining trip that they were on, um, just being people and then they're thrown into this extraordinary situation and never once does it feel like any of these people are acting, you know, which is fucking incredible. Yeah. Again, when you're dealing with something like seven or eight performers and, you know, these wide shots and everything, everything just feels so natural and believable that when you get to the extraordinary stuff, you buy it because you've already bought into these characters in the world that they live in. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. Just the, the legwork that is essentially done to build up to this, this grander story, um, is just so genius. And again, I think, you know, there's a lot of, genius minds behind all of this um dan o'banion you have hr geiger all all of that i just think so much of it does end up falling on ridley scott because again you see it a few years later when he does blade runner like mm -hmm. talk about feeling lived in that that is a dirty gross world that you're just like yeah, this this is a place somewhere in another universe. It absolutely is. Yeah. So, I think you know that. So many times when you talk about a space movie, you've got these, you know, astronauts in uniforms, and and they're they're like gods, right? Yeah. You know, they have all this confidence, or they portray all this confidence, and these guys are space truckers in Hawaiian shirts, yeah. you know, and yeah. and it makes them more relatable you know because you can say oh you know i could see myself in that because you know basically what they're doing is they're driving a truck home yeah i uh i was thinking and this is something that i i thought about and i i talked about this in my review recently for uh the lost world jurassic park with um the jeff goldblum character Ian malcolm is this this guy who's this begrudging hero where he doesn't want to be in this position at all. And he only ever decides to, to stand up and, and kind of be a man when he has to be, when nobody else is doing it. If somebody else is around to, you know, handle the reins, like he's like, all right, cool. I'll take yeah. a step back. And like, I relate to that so much. And I relate to, I was watching it and I was like, fuck man, I, I would totally be Dallas in this. Like I would totally be making all these wrong decisions just because like I would be so unequipped. I would, yeah, I'm the captain of this ship, but I would, and people are looking at me for answers, but I would 
constantly be making the wrong decisions and then be like, all right, cool, I guess, yeah, like, I have to be the one mm. to go into the the air shaft. And then the minute I get in there, be like, fuck, Mistake. get me out of here. <laughs> um, and that, like, his performance, I God, I was just watching it. I was like, that's probably, like, the most realistic performance in this whole you know film because i'm like he's he's the leader he is and he he wears it well but he's not meant for this he's just a captain on a fucking mining vessel he's not meant to be dealing with these life or death situations so yeah he's constantly messing up he's trying to do the right thing but it's just he just keeps on fucking up left and right and i just related to that so much i was like god that's so human and so much of the time we see ourselves as you know wanting to be you know neo or luke yeah. skywalker and in reality we're all probably like dallas, dallas. you know remember uh, when we lived in mojave and that guy came yeah well you know that's that's what I, I very much thought about when we were talking about the derelict jumping off of the fucking you know train i thought about that guy that came to the other house and you had to fucking you know, bust out the shotgun. I was like hiding yeah. in the bathroom. <laughs> but you know, when you talked about Dallas, that's what I felt like. You know, it's one thing to get the shotgun. It's another thing when you go outside and you can't see the guy, but you know he's there and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, and all I did was I shot, you know, I shot a, 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 uh, in the air yeah. and I yelled at him and then you know, he kind of backed off, but yeah, that, I mean, it's like, I know exactly how Dallas must have felt. Cause when I went out there, I was like, oh, shit, this was a fucking bad idea. I, I fucked up. Yeah. 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 I, you know, and, and the other thing I was thinking about while I was out there is like, I don't want to have to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have that on my, on my mind for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's that's see that's the the difference between you know your circumstance and the circumstance in the film is that you're dealing with actually killing a human being and that that's a whole other level of you know guilt and you know self doubt and all that so um, yeah that's you know that that might be for another podcast entirely <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but. Um, One more thing before we yeah no the please rest. hit me milk yeah milk. ash and drinking milk and dude milk dude so this is the first time that when he I don't think I've ever noticed it before when he is in the the laboratory and he just gets done talking to Ripley she walks away and he's drinking mm -hmm. and I was like what the fuck is he I'm like son of a bitch he's drinking milk yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I I'm, love that. Yeah, I, I do too. I don't know, like, I'm like, and that got me wondering. I'm like, all right, so do they have to ingest milk? Is it part of their, like, thing? Does that work? Or is it already, like, you know, part of our blood where it just recycles? Like, what is it? Like, it just got me thinking about it. I was like, that's that's just a fun detail either way. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it and when uh, when he gets the shit kicked out of him, he starts, you know, he's got a little bit of, oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Little bit of milk here. And it's like, what the hell is that? And then they... They take his head off and there's milk everywhere. I just thought that was so cool. Uh, yeah, I remember vividly just not being prepared for that. And when Parker knocks off his head, I 
think I my heart skipped a beat because I was so unprepared for what that revelation was gonna be. Yeah. And I mean, I you know, and this is a kid in like two thousand and three or some shit. I can't even imagine what it was like for people back in nineteen seventy nine. They they probably were fucking I've never seen anything yeah, like that. No, no one was prepared for that shit. And, um, I am, you know, gonna, we're, we're gonna take an unscheduled break here, um, we're gonna come back, we're gonna keep on talking about, uh, Alien, we're gonna talk about some of the things maybe we didn't like, and, uh, uh, a couple other things moving forward, but, uh, we will be right back, uh, this is the Johnny Horror Podcast, I'm your host, Johnny Horror, and with me, Michael Maresca, my dad, and we'll, uh, be right back with you, motherfuckers. Yeah. 